Agua Ardente. I did my first shot when I was seven years old. Damp forehead, eyes wider than a bottleneck. What is more deceptive than a glass of fire that looks like water? Can you really ever trust anything again when the thing that is meant to hose down your tiny burning euphoria makes of you a volcanic body? Some lessons are learned before we are taught to know ourselves. I learned to trust my taste over my sight. You can never really tell how acidic a person can be simply by looking. Agua ardente translates literally to water burning. I have come to realize that I am both swimming in it and setting it alight. C'est la nuit. Pluie. Les lumières du cinéma se répartent. La foule sort, se disperse. Reste deux femmes et un parapluie au coin de la rue. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Poetry to Your Ears. Um, I'm Lulu and uh, I'm with Tom, my co-host. Hello. And today we're joined with Romina Ramos. Hello, Romina. Hello. We're so excited to have you. Oh, thank you so much uh, for gonna having me. You, I'm going to read your bio. Yep. So Romina Ramos is a gender-fluid Portuguese writer based in the northwest of England. Their writing explores themes of dislocation, identity, and intergenerational immigration. Their work has been shortlisted for the Penguin Random House imprint, Murky Books News Write- New Writers Prize, and the Britport Prize for Poetry. They also won the Carcanet Prize for Poetry. They live in Bolton, and they started an open mic night, Bolton, Nata Bolton, and uh, you published your first poetry pamphlet, Sardines, with Ben Key Publishing. That's the gorgeous nice. cover. Thank you. Really gorgeous cover. Yeah. Um, it reminds me of Normal People, do you know? Yes. The cover of Normal yeah, People. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it was intentional. <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, there's your poetry collections about um, being Portuguese and moving to England and it, it's got that link with the sardines from Portugal and the northwest of England. Um, I was wondering how you chose sardines as being the theme of your collection. It's it's funny, I get this question all the time and I've, I always say that they chose me. Um, when I when I started writing this collection, which I didn't realize was going to be a collection, I was just writing. Um, it was in my final year of my BA at university. Um, so I had to do study creative writing. Okay. So I was getting I was getting together a um, creative portfolio, which was fifteen poems, um, to submit for my dissertation, kind of thing, if you will. And um, in my very first feedback from my tutor, it was like, are you aware that the sardines in all of your poems? And I, I hadn't, <laughs> I actually hadn't, um, I hadn't thought, I'd, I hadn't figured that out myself. They just appeared there. Uh, but I think, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that I lost my grandparents um, quite close together a few years ago. And... That's who I grew up with until I moved to England. I grew up with my grandparents and sardines were really, really big in, in the diet in our household in the, in the south of Portugal. Uh, the town that I'm from particularly is known for sardines. Um, and so throughout my childhood, uh, I have many mem- memories involving sardines, be it going down to the uh, fishing dock at six o'clock in the morning with my granddad to get buckets of sardines fresh from the fishing boats or pondering around the kitchen while my grandma was gutting them and 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 preparing them and grilling them and things like that um and I think yeah losing them and then that's that's around the time that I was starting to write um a lot of poetry and that yeah they just appeared in the poems and then when I came to submit something for Bent Key I needed a title and it just seemed like it couldn't be anything else (laughs) hello lulu here i hope you're enjoying the conversation so far i have an exciting announcement to make before you can continue listening poetry to your ears is now sponsored by benki publishing benki publishing is an indie micro publisher that champions neurodiverse artists 
and writers from other marginalized groups. So you can get a 10% discount on all books with the code poetry to your ears 10 This code doesn't apply to zines, but it covers all books on their website, which is www.bentkeypublishing.co.uk. The code and the website link will be written in the episode description. We hope you find a poetry book you like, and tell us on social media if you purchase one. Now, back to our conversation. Um, yes, yeah, so when you studied creative writing to do... Did you know you wanted to write poetry or were you exploring with different uh, uh, no, I, mediums? Yeah, I was exploring different mediums and obviously across the degree you have to do um, three creative modules which are fiction writing, script writing and poetry writing. Um, but I really discovered my love for poetry during that degree um, and obviously then in the third year you, you can only pick one um, and, and I knew then that it was poetry that was for me really I mean I do write fiction and bits and bops but I think poetry is is what I I love mm. yeah what is that what what is it that makes it the most important to you I think this? I really enjoy uh, telling a, a full story in a very limited amount of words mm. um because you have to pick every word very carefully. It has to earn its place. It has to mean something. Um, it, yeah, it has to earn its place, I think. And and I think I, I just really enjoy that challenge. I, I always say that in, in sardines, there's loads of little stories as part of a big story. I feel like every poem does very clearly tell a story in its own right. And I feel like that's that's why I, what I love about poetry. Mm. Do you want to read us yeah. a poem? Um, oh, sorry, Tom. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Uh. Do I want to read a poem? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I actually have two memorized, luckily for me, because I thought I had some books in the car, but I realized that I don't. Um, but it's fine, because I know them. <laughs> um, so um, <laughs> this poem, which I'll read now, uh is called Yeah But Where From Really. It's one of the first poems that was written for this collection and it's, um, I think it, it encapsulates everything that this collection is. Um, so I'll read it for you now. <clears throat> I come from a place where people drink eight espressos a day, where sardines are fished from the sea at 5am and grilled for tourists at a local restaurant by noon. I come from grains of sand and the Atlantic Ocean. I come from long, hot summer days swimming with inflatable dolphins and winter Sunday mornings building sandcastles with pink gloves on. I come from Catholic women and faithless men. I come from women who raise the children of other women and men who do not raise their own. I come from single parents. I came to this place where it rains torrentially in July while brightly coloured trucks whistle through photocopied streets selling rainbows and cones to local children. I came to this place where football is a religion, fish and chips on a Friday night a tradition, where schools have uniforms but I am still the odd one out. Played skirts can't hide the stretch marks of nationality. They say, yeah, but where from really? Like my split tongue doesn't quite fit in this island's mouth. But the thing is, I don't even like sardines. And I take my coffee white with milk and sugar. Thank you. <laughs> it's so funny because that's the one I chose that... I wanted you to read. Oh, <laughs> yeah. What's it? What's it called? Yeah, but where from, really? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's it's a it's a classic. You know, I I really like how you navigate um, identity and how complex it is, and especially the last lines. Like, I don't even like sardines, and I take my coffee white with milk and sugar. Yeah. Um, yeah. It just it just shows how. Um, you know, being French, I have that a lot, like uh, trying to show that I'm French in some ways, even though there's some stuff that I do 
uh, I don't drink espresso either. And it's like a very French thing. Yeah. And <laughs> and it's like when you're abroad, you have to renavigate your own identity and um, and your origins, kind of reclaim them. Yeah, exactly. Um, I feel like for me, when I came here so young, I was 11 years old, and I spent a lot of time. Kids in school are obviously mean, <laughs> um, but I spent a lot of time trying to fit in with them, with people here, trying to be more British, trying to really thicken up my accent and all these things. Um, so, But then th the result of that was that when I would go back to Portugal for the summer, I wasn't Portuguese enough for the Portuguese people. So I've kind of always been stuck in the middle and I've always... I, I have been told by, you know, my Portuguese friends and, and distant family, like, you don't like sardines, like, you're not even Portuguese, you know, like, mm. so I, 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 I had to get that into that poem because it kind of shows that I, I didn't feel English enough and Portuguese enough, so I was kind of like in a, stuck in the middle, I suppose. Mm. And I think it's an interesting title because that's a that's a question that's often asked to people who are not white yeah. you know uh regardless of how long they lived in the uk uh if they were born in the uk because it shows that how restrictive the english identity can be or, or its perception you know? yeah but i find it interesting that people ask you that question um i don't get it so much well, now yeah. because i feel like i pass for english now very easily a lot of the time um but when I first moved here for the first few years, I got it a lot just because of the accent. Obviously, I've always been white, but when I came here, I did have brown, olive olive skin, you'd say. My skin was brown because I spent the whole of the whole summer I was spent on the beach. Um, obviously, now it's, it's, it's very pasty and I've been here, I've been here too long. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Not enough sun. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. 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 But do you have that then when you come back to Portugal where people ask you if you're Portuguese? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, my Portuguese. I mean, you're, you're speaking Portuguese when you're yeah, in Portugal, Yeah, yeah, I speak right? Portuguese. I speak Portuguese to my mum uh, yeah. um, and my auntie stuff that I have here. Um, so I, I speak fluent Portuguese, but I, I, to a Portuguese person, it would probably seem a little bit rusty, you know? Do they think you're like Spanish or something like that? They, they think you're like from yeah. somewhere close. Or yeah, yeah, Brazil. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was wondering in the structure. You know, it's, it's, your book is like structured in three parts, and it's uh, one, two, three. Yeah. I was wondering how you. How you structured your poems um, into the book? I, I kind of wanted it to be like a journey. So the ve the first part is um, heavily about the migrating and and the two different countries and things like that. And then in the middle, I've I've dedicated that to my family, um, just because. Uh, they've been a very big part of who I am, I suppose, and and me getting to know who I am and things like that. And then the the second, the last part is more like okay, coming to terms with who I am, my identity, my identity and stuff. So I kind of wanted it to be a journey. You set off from Portugal in the first part. You you know it's it's the migrating over. My family are part of that, and then at the end it's like I've arrived. This is who I am. Um, that's 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 the reason for that and, and what I was aiming to achieve with that. Mm. And um, yeah, so you write in both languages, and there's a couple of poems um, that I believe are English translations yeah. from Portuguese. Um, do you write kind of fifty-fifty? No, actually, Portuguese, um, I haven't ne never written a poem. Uh, a full poem in Portuguese. I, they've always been translated from English into the Portuguese, which is funny. But it's, um, but yeah, I, I translated all. The, I wrote all this, those poems in English first, and then okay. I decided that I wanted them in there translated. So I set about translating them myself. 
um, and I did mm-hmm. and I did that. But they were re- written primarily in English, and and then moved on, moved over into Portuguese. Yeah, is your your poet voice in English? Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know when it happened, but at some point I started thinking in English and dreaming in English, and and yeah. I'm I'm always having to translate because, like I said, I still speak Portuguese to my mum and my family and stuff. But I'm, I'm, I I think of what I want to say in English, and then I have to <laughs> translate it over to Portuguese. So it's mm. I'm I'm in constant translation. Yeah, yeah. It's you... a bit different from you, Eloise. Like, um, you seem to say that like you feel like your English when you write in English, it's a bit more authentic, like coming from your emotions rather than. But that's why it's similar. Than, like, it's being not, part of a scheme. It's not that different, I think. Now, mm. most things come to me in English. And, yeah, when I speak to my family, I kind of have to translate and it's a bit bumpy. Uh, when I come back to France after a couple of days, I start thinking in French again. Yeah. But when I'm in England, yeah, my, my brain's kind of moved to English. And it's it's just when I think of, like, childhood memories that I could go into French, like stuff that people said to me. Um, which but what w- happens when you write poetry in French? Like, can you write poetry in French? I can, but it's it's not as fluid as it used to be a couple of years ago. A couple of years ago, I'd have to my brain would be primarily in French, and now I've written so much poetry in English that I think, and I'm reading so much poetry in English as well. I'm not reading a lot of French I poetry. I wonder if it's just like a skill thing, like a craft thing, you know, like yeah, you're it's, more used to writing in English, so it's like you developed that, right? It's about like giving oil to your bike. <laughs> <laughs> you know? it's like a, 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 yeah, I <laughs> know. Yeah. So, yeah, I feel like we may have a similar experience um, in that regard. I feel like English but you, it, English is... Um, I find in English easier to express myself because I feel like there's more words, there's more meaning, there's, in Portuguese, um, I, fi- I find that a little bit more restrictive. Yeah, mm. I feel like there's, there's... But Portuguese is quite a nice singing language though, isn't it? Yeah, it's a lovely language. I do love it and I'd like to write more in it. Um, but yeah, I feel like there's more, you can say more in English, I think. Hmm. I mean, there's a lot of words in English. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, so I was wondering, so these these two poems that you translated then from English, how did you choose them to translate rather than other poems? Because I wanted that middle bit to be for my family. So there's a poem for my mum, there's a poem for my dad, um, and there's a poem mm. from my pat- uh, maternal grandparents, one each. And... Mm. Um, it made sense to have them because they're all Portuguese, um, mm. and I wanted I wanted to be able to I wanted my I wanted my Portuguese family to be able to pick the book up and at least read them and understand them. So it just mm. made sense for the for it and to they be them. Have, these ones have images as well. Yeah. And, uh... So. Uh, my mother one, it's me and my mum. Uh, and my grandmother, I don't think I'm in that one, but it's my grandmother and my gran- my granddad's, again, it's just my granddad. And then my dad, um, I never met my dad, actually. So I, I had to dig deep and find that picture online uh, because mm. I knew that he played for a, a specific Portuguese scene back in the 90s and that's how I came across that photo. Um What's yes. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, he was a footballer one. back in the nineties, uh, up until ninety six, I believe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's how I found that photo. It was uh, I, I, I I'd searched online uh, for the team and ended up finding it that way. Do you want to read us that? One? Yeah, that was that was actually my second choice to read to you today. So <laughs> great. How in sync. Yeah, yeah, no, I love performing this one out loud. Um, yeah, so I'll read it. I'll, re- I'll read you this one now. My father was an athlete. He ran out of the maternity ward so fast 
we got to the finish line before I even opened my eyes for the first time. And every man that came after him treated us like it was a race, but the loser was always my mother. My therapist says this metaphor is not healthy, but the thing is, my father really was an athlete. He played professional football for a small division Portuguese team, so maybe instead of a hat trick, I was a, a red card, a foul, a stretcher at half time. I don't really know much about football or about parenthood, but I, knew, I do know this my father was offside. And I, I think I missed. In, in, I think I missed a little line yeah. there, but <laughs> yeah. So maybe my mother was the best yes, and, and I was a goal in the back of the run yeah, net. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you know it in Portuguese? Of... Sorry, Tom. Go ahead. There's an interesting use of offside. You know, it's like you kind of reappropriated that yeah. term, right? Like it's a, it's a bit like I've never rethought about offside. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, the, the literal translation to that in Portuguese is out of game, out of the game. Mm. Um, oh. And I did, I did actually think about that when I was reading, writing this poem, even though I did write it in English, but I was, I was thinking about what, what that would mean in Portuguese and I felt like it was, it was appropriate. Do you know in Portuguese by heart, uh, this poem? No, not by heart. <laughs> because <laughs> that would be lovely you, to hear you, you say it so you um i got the impression that you perform live quite often yeah i do you? do you have you been down to, have you been down to Brighton i haven't before? no i am this year wanting to get out of manchester performing i've actually i'm going down to sheffield at the end of this month for the new night there oh, but so i would love to go i would love to go to brighton i've never been to brighton yeah definitely yeah, so that's where that's where you mostly perform then, Chef. Um, yeah, Manchester. Manchester. Obviously, I run my night in Bolton at this cafe where I'm at right now. Uh, but yeah, Manchester mm. is where I primar- primarily uh, perform. Yeah. Is it how you and met them? Sorry. Sorry. Um, is that how you met? What's her name? Rebecca. <laughs> Rebecca. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rebecca. Yeah, yeah that is how I met Rebecca. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Um, I met Rebecca. We started gigging at the same time. So I'd graduated in the summer of 2021. Is it? Or 2022? Yeah, 2021. Who's, who's She's Rebecca? the founder of Bent Key. She's the... Yeah, oh, Rebecca okay. Kenny. So she, she founded Bent Key. Um, and I met her. My very first gig at Open Mic Night was her second. Um, and it was just like two or three days before she had the big car crash that le- led to Bent Key. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's how I met her. That I met her out and about gigging. Yeah. Yeah, and um, Manchester has quite a strong poetry scene. Oh, it's it? it's huge. Yeah, there's there's and there's still nights, new nights popping up everywhere. Um, but yeah, I mean the scene is is huge. It's a, it's it's big. There's there's many many nights happening and all sorts of different nights as well. Um, and what who, what do you recommend for like a beginner in the Manchester scene? Like where um, you know, where should we go when we first? Come? I would say definitely check out Verbos. Uh, they won the Sabata Sabata um, Best Poetry Night in Manchester. Well, in the country, I believe. Um, oh, so wow. yeah, that's that's really really fantastic night. Um, it's held at the King's Arms in Salford, which is this cute little pub. But they've got a theatre room upstairs, and they use that for Verbos. It's a really fantastic night, really welcoming, and they get established people and emerging artists all together, which is fantastic. They have headliners every month, and then they open up the floor to open micers. Last month, they had people like Ellen Moore um, headlining for them. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it's like the second night I ever did was Verbose, and it's definitely recommend that one to start off with, for, for sure. Was it was it intimidating for you when you? Yeah, when you I mean, the, the first ever night I picked was a night called Saying, um, in Manchester, and it's like it is it's like one of the biggest ones. Um, I don't know why, but I thought if I'm going to do something, I just need to do it. So I went and put my name down for that, and it was it was daunting. Yeah, it was daunting to begin with. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and what was the what was the poem that you did? What was the first poem? The you first did poem night? I did that night was my father was an athlete. And then, 
And then <laughs> yeah. I did another one. Uh, I can't remember the title of it now. Um, but it was for my portfolio as well. I did the three poems that I'd sent to Murky Books and got shortlisted for it um, because I thought, if if I made murky books, I mean Storms is ready. <laughs> Give me feedback on it, so I think that it'll be well well received. And yeah, 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 yeah. Can you get can you Storms get shortlisted? I got shortlisted, so I got um, yeah, I got longlisted first, which I couldn't believe, and then and then I got shortlisted. So I made the top ten out of like two twenty five hundred. which is incredible. Like to think, you know, wow, it's, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I'm still a bit. I'm still. When I think about that, I actually got that. I'm still a bit like shocked, <laughs> but yeah, no, it was it was amazing. Yeah, yeah, it really helps you, you know, boost your confidence. Yeah, absolutely, and, uh... absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and how is it running your night then? Because it seems that there's not much of a poetry scene in Bolton, as you're saying. No, there's there's one other night. night in Bolton, um, which is run by a fantastic guy called Dave Morgan. Um, I have no issues with them whatsoever, but I it's it's very white middle class men who attend, which is fine. You know, everyone needs their own place. But my reason to start Nata was because I wanted something that was inclusive. Not that they're not inclusive. Like we, I had someone from Bentke launched a book last night actually and we were there where they were on that night with a lot of that crowd and they're all absolutely amazing fantastic really welcoming um that's not what I'm saying but I feel like the people that tend to go are very like middle class white men um and middle class and middle age as well and which is again it's is it more like is it more like kind of um like traditional poetry yeah yeah, as yeah. Well, what would you say like for like form yeah style like is it like the writing style yeah as well, i think so yeah um i've never been there myself actually because it's you it usually is on a sunday night and uh i do i, I do usually have stuff on but um i do want to try and go over one time um no they're all fantastic and 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 i will happily go it's just that i wanted something a bit more inclusive like i'm non-binary i wanted something where People like that feel welcome to come. I wanted, I wanted to unite all kinds of people and not just have like one one type of person coming. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, and yeah. and the more poetry nights, the better. Yeah, exactly. There's so room for everybody. There's room for everybody. Absolutely. And they uh, they have um, they again they have like headliners there, and they've got they've got Louise Fazaki actually on tonight, who's a northern poet. who's fantastic. Um, so they, yeah, they're doing they're doing fantastic things. Um, but yeah, we're, we're a little bit different. Also, I really like How's the, fact the structure that we're... of your night. Sorry, how's the structure of your night? Um, How do you organize we... it? We first of all, it's a non-alcoholic venue, which I think is great. A lot of people like that because, like Tuesday, we just had our first one of the year last Tuesday, um, and one of the poets um, didn't have a babysitter and at last minute, and. Um, said can I bring my toddler I was like you absolutely can bring your toddler yeah like yeah that's absolutely fine so and then I have another lady who usually brings a 14 year old daughter and they may not do that if we were in a busy pub um so you know mm. that's that's a nice element to it but we welcome everything here where there's there's music we had a play uh, a scripting and reading of a play mm. this time uh, we usually have a musician coming in So it's not just it's not like just a poetry night. It's I'd like to say it's like a creative open mic space for anyone, um, mm. which I quite like because it, it sometimes I love going to poetry nights myself. Um, but sometimes we know you sit there for two hours listening to like quite deep, quite personal stuff, and it can it can get a lot, can't it? So it, I quite and I, I like mm. to have stuff that breaks up the poetry. Um, mm. Yeah. So is it quite a light-hearted night then? If it's If you can have teenagers coming, yeah, I mean, I, there's there's absolutely no limit. There's no. I, all I say is, don't have, be respectful. Don't have any derogatory stuff, any racist, homophobic stuff. None of that. But I, you know, you can swear. You can talk about absolutely anything you want to talk about. There's not. I don't put any any censorship on on anything. Um, and then likewise, I say to my audience, you can bring your children and stuff, but just be aware that you know. Someone could be talking about suicide. Someone could be talking about 
um, you know, mental health matters and, and all these things. Um, so as long as mm-hmm. they're okay with that, then, then yeah, that's fine. Yeah. And the cafe that you're working in is a Portuguese cafe. It is, say. yeah. Yeah. It's... So does that link you to the Portuguese community in Baltimore? Yeah. Uh, yeah. We have, we have a few, we have a, a very vi- wide range of people coming over. We have, you know, local people from Bullen who are just clients to the cafe. They're quite like a bit of poetry and, um, and then we have, we have people that do go to all these nights, you know, and then they come here as well. Um, yeah, it's it's a, ra- a very a varied range of people to come and watch for sure. Yeah. Did you know any um, Portuguese pers- uh, people in in Bolton who read your book, who read Sardines? Yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah, quite a few people uh, uh, bought it, and uh, you know, to show their support and stuff. But- it's funny because a lot of people co- come to me afterwards like, oh, I didn't realise poetry was like this, you know. Because um, a lot of people, as I'm sure you guys know, um, have some misconceptions about poetry. They think it's all very Shakespearean and very, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, and really, it's not. Like, we've been having a conversation with the Waterstones in Bolton at the moment uh, to try and get mm-hmm. our books in there because there's three Ben oh, Key writers that are, live in Bolton and writing in Bolton um, and which have just released books um, but they've kind of sent us an email going going oh people in Bolton don't really read poetry but and and we kind of felt a bit mm, we didn't really the, the water yeah starts. the manager replied to the email that's incredible and, and, yeah it's really and, and kind of said weird. yeah people Poetry doesn't sell in Bolton. Yeah. But you know why it doesn't sell in Bolton? Because if you go into the Waterstones in Bolton, it's all Shakespeare, Yeats. It's all dead poets. And maybe that's why it's not selling. That's why it's (laughs) not selling. If you you market poetry, then people are going to buy poetry. Absolutely. (laughs) We've kind of sent a counter email to them going, we'd like to work with you to change that. And we think this it's not the case of people that don't, don't want the poetry it's a case mm. of it's very limited choice for them that's available mm. in store i've gone in, i go in there always leave with a broken heart because there is nothing new there it's just shakespeare's works percy shelley all <laughs> these kind of dead poets which are great and have been great in their own time yeah yeah but, yeah, but yeah. you know but it but you want novelty yeah people aren't reading them now yeah. people yeah, yeah absolutely well it's like fiction books there's always new books contemporary yeah authors coming out so exactly yeah yeah yeah. yeah. Well, well it's like a, well it's like ba- like a band right it's like you you want to engage with like a poet and artist that's like living yeah. as well right you want to you want to mm. feel like you've got almost like a, a parasocial relationship with yeah, them yeah of well, course right? like you, like you, like you want to you know you want to be able to go see them live you want to be able to read their new stuff yeah. and look forward to what they're doing well the also bands, yeah right? people who talk about your your living experience and if if you're in bolton and you write about being in bolton then people are going to relate it more yeah absolutely um, do you know any of the poetry scene in Portugal? Have you been involved with, with it? Um, no, I I want to, but I mean, I I love uh, Fernando Pessoa. I don't know if you guys have heard of him. He's, he's oh. fantastic. I mean, the, the guy obviously was uh, way ahead of his time and wasn't recognised while he was alive. Um, yeah, can I can I just say, Eloise, he's the, he's the poet who kind of had multiple... Uh, personalities but kind of created them f- uh, so that he could write as different poets he could write as different authors he could okay and you know a lot of people think right uh you know that when they read his stuff they think oh he was schizophrenic or what have you but he wasn't he just did this as a, a method yeah, I suppose. As just, but it was you know i find him so thing. interesting like i did a, i did a few essays on him at uni and um and and I have a lot of his books translated and 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 not. Um, I've actually got a book, a poem in my book that's after him. It's called The Smoker, after Fernando Pessoa. Um, he's got this. He's got this Great. poem called The Tobacco Shop, um, and and that was kind of that. But I mean, it's not in response to that poem. Um, it's it's heavily inspired in his book, the the book of the squire, uh, which is kind of like a fictiony. Um, 
rambling <laughs> of sorts. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I find him really, really interesting. And I, I do go back to him quite often. Um, I try to read some um, Jose Saramago as well. I don't know if you've heard of him. and he's, But he's more like stream of consciousness type thing. It's not so much poetry. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not really on par with the um, temporary poetry of Portugal from today. But I, it's something that I've been thinking about um, getting to know for sure. Mm. Do you know yeah. the smoker by heart? I don't. I don't. I don't think I can leave this app to get it up either. I'm afraid. We're we're, we're happy to wait. Uh, are you interested? <laughs> we we edit the I, episodes anyway. Um, are you interested if I read it and see how, yeah, how yeah, it sounds yeah. in my voice? Yeah, I've Absolutely. got I've got it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's in the collection. Isn't it? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, that's my first go. So we'll see. The smoker. I too pluck the souls of flowers and call myself a gardener. Is it still mine if I steal it? I once stole a kiss from a bottle, sank my teeth into its neck, made it trench in the glass. I was ready for war. Oh, Lisbon, my mother birthed me, then spat me out in a veil of fumes. I am comfortable in my disquiet. It is not the river arrayed that I love. Oh, Aradi? How do you say it? Arad. Arad. Okay. It is not the river Arad that I love, but the town that carries it on its back like a mule on market days. Oh, South, my beloved, I have been fishing sardines in your salty waters since your coast gave me permission. Take my cigarette butt for what it is. A small campfire, a rescue mission. Tell mother I am lost, but looking for smoke. Oh, it's beautiful, That's actually. Beautiful, poem. beautiful. Nice. Someone else to <laughs> read it, yeah. Yeah, I always find it interesting, um, you know, reading other people's poems and having my poems read by other people. It's like different, different voices, different <laughs> perspectives. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I like that. Like, you know, it's like you're like, yeah, that was pretty good actually. My own poem. Yeah, <laughs> you can. Yeah, no, it's like because uh, yeah, hearing it from someone else's voice. Yeah, like you say, yeah. I always get anxious it with was, my it was lovely yeah. with my French voice. You know, if I pronounce stuff correctly, so, <laughs> so I put yeah. enough care. Yeah, that's what we like. We like to hear those uh, differences. Yeah, that's an, I did try yeah. in this book. I to um to use Portuguese, even in the English poems, uh, you'll notice in one of two, um, I think in hearing Portuguese being spoken in the street, I do it a few times, and in bag and hunting, in the Best Buy aisle, I think I do it once or twice in there as well, where I've used Portuguese words in the English version of the mm. poems. Um, yeah. Because I've always had this complex. Like food. Yeah, food. Well, it is, it is a lot a lot of the time it is food, yeah. But I've always had this kind of complex growing up uh, where it's like a bit frowned upon where you speak speaking your own language, you know, in the street, like, or, or on the bus or whatever it may be. Like, people kind of look at you a bit funny. Like, um, So I struggled with that for a long time. And now that I'm getting older and I'm like, no, it's, I'm proud of it. You know, it is my language and I'm mm-hmm. proud of that. So I, I did try and make a conscious effort to write bilingually, I suppose, yeah. Mm, and you have a poem where you say you like hearing people in the street speaking Portuguese. Yeah, one of my favourite things in the in the world is just walking down like Market Street in Manchester and you just hear someone like you hear a conversation in Portuguese and you're like, Oh, it just brings you like brings you home. I don't know. There's something really lovely about that. Yeah. Other people having their their life in your native language. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like your ears just perk up. I don't know. I don't know if that happens to you, Lou, yeah. with French or something. But yeah. yeah, I just I just love that. I don't know. All the yeah. time. There's so many French people in Brighton. Oh. It's surprising. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, I used to work in a restaurant, and sometimes there would be like some French customers, and uh, they'd speak to me in English with like a. Uh, 
a broken English, uh, you know, yeah. trying to speak English like this. <laughs> and then I switched to French and they'd be like, oh my yeah. God. <laughs> and I, ha yeah. I have a friend, she said um, some people would actually come back to the restaurant because they were they were happy to know there would be a French person yeah. in the restaurant, you yeah. know, so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so there is that connection. Yeah abroad and i've been i've been to the french embassy with like the friendliest french people that wouldn't be friendly to me like if we were in france you know yeah. <laughs> so yeah it's it's interesting that kind of diaspora connection abroad yeah for sure that you have yeah hey yeah uh, i hope you're enjoying listening to this episode this episode is sponsored by right bloody uk they're an independent publisher that publishes bloody beautiful poetry books You get 10% off all books on their website, writebloodyuk.co.uk, with the code POETRY2YEARS. That's 10% off with the code POETRY2YEARS on the website, writebloodyuk.co.uk. Hope you enjoy it. Yeah, I was, I was, uh, another question I had is, how, how was it getting published by uh, Ben Key then? What was your experience? Yeah, um... I feel, I, I'm really inspired, by the way, by the history of Bent Key. I mean, I knew Rebecca and I quite liked her stuff. I liked her as a person and everything. I didn't know her very well, obviously, because I met her, I met her just before the car crash that led to Bent Key. I don't know if you're aware of the whole story, but... You can tell it for yeah, the audience. Um, so, <laughs> Rebecca was a teacher for 17 years, high school teacher, English teacher... Um, and we, like I said before, we started gigging at the same time. Um, and then she had a terrible car crash, broke a lot of bones. I'm not going to name them all because I'm not even sure I know them all, but she did break, broke her back, pelvis, sternum, all these things. Um, and I'm just so inspired how she didn't give up. She was just like, turned all this pain and all this trauma I was like, well, I can't go back to work now. What can I do? And she started Bent Key to amplify the voices of people in the community who had helped her through that time. You know, people, when she was in Aintree in the, in the, in the ICU there, she put a call out for people to write with her. And, um, you know, and, and she, she says she was saved by the poetry community. And I, I just think it's so beautiful that she then wrote this love letter of sorts and creative bent, creative bent key for that community. Mm. I think it's just like so, in, so inspiring because I think if that was me, I would have just been at home in bed like, oh, well, I'm never going to walk again. And, da, 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 you know, and she'd learned to walk again and she, she turned all this pain, physical and otherwise, into like something beautiful. And I think that's just fantastic. And yeah, there was a, there was a, um, submission window for chat books um and i was um in an area of whether i had a chat book that was strong enough in the little poems that what's it what's a so chat book is is a is a smaller collection it's not it's like a pamphlet, it's a pamphlet. yeah it's... it's a pamphlet she calls it chat book but um it's a pamphlet uh it's a it's, yeah that's it that's what it is it's a pamphlet so it's it's 30 or less poems so it's a shock. They're synonyms, I think. It's like a, it's like a demo, like yeah. an EP. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah and I was, I was up in an area, and shall I send something? Have I got something that's strong enough for submission right now? Da, da, da. And, you know, she was really encouraging. She said, I would absolutely love to publish. She sent something in. Let's, you know, let's chat. Um, and I sent something in last February. It was just before I did the first Natter. Uh, night here actually um it was like a week before that i think and uh yeah when i when i got home from that first natter obviously i was um you know real on a massive high from a successful night you know we had 15 performers we had 35 people watching it was fantastic and i got home and she actually couldn't be here for I'm not sure what reason it was at the time she couldn't be here and i got home and she asked how it was blah, blah, blah and she said I've read your collection and I absolutely want to publish it. So I was like, oh, my God, that's amazing. But she said, will you develop it into a full-length collection? Um, and at the time I said, yeah, of course I will, you know. But that's like 70 poems. And, 
Yeah. <laughs> so you're on the deadline yeah. at that point, right? Yeah. You're under pressure. So how many did you? How many poems did you have then? So it was when well, you submitted. What I submitted was about twenty-five, I think. It was about twenty-five poems that I'd submitted, um, as as obviously a pamphlet. Um, but yeah, so she said, "Oh, will you develop it?" I said, "Yeah, of course I will." Um, and then you know I signed the contract. She took me on, blah blah blah. But. The thing with Rebecca is that she's fantastic because I developed the collection into a 75-75 poem collection. But I just wasn't happy with it as a whole. Not not the poems itself. Like I think there were strong poems and everything else, but I, it just felt like sardines have been written over the course of, say, like five years. Um, and then I felt like all the other poems I've written was a different book. I felt like I'm now I'm concerned with different things. I'm, I'm writing about different kind of different bits and bops about my life and different aspects. Of- what were you writing about that was different? Uh, I feel like now I'm writing a lot more about my like um, gender identity and um, and. Uh, family dynamics but different different than than what's in the book and different kind of different aspects of it um and i just felt like when i was looking at it as a whole collection i just wasn't happy that of it being one book it, it did feel like i was cramming two books into one just because i was trying to develop it into a longer piece um and then mm-hmm. a week before publishing i said to rebecca i said i'm not happy can we just do a chat book for now and she said, yeah, absolutely. She said, if you're not happy, I want you to be happy. So she trusted my vision 100 and then. And I'm yeah. really glad she mm. did. That's really, that's really commendable. You could, you know, you could easily see a situation where it's like, no, we've got more, yeah. you know, we can, yeah. we can sell more, absolutely. we can do more with yeah, it. Yeah. That's really great that she's followed, trusted your like, like artistic. If, if I had someone it, yeah. like Penguin or, or, you know, someone a bit smaller but whatever some of them bigger people they probably would have just said no you know you got to do this you've got you've got the poems you're gonna have to publish it but not rebecca she was she was very very she trusted my vision 110 percent, and she was very nurturing Mm. and very very understanding and i'm very glad because i'm very proud of this book i'm it's it's a it's a comprehensive book very cohesive it tells a story there's a beginning middle of an end and it all connects mm. like i say it's loads of different stories as part of one big story and it works and I, I and i'm yeah i'm really thankful for her and grateful for her to have trusted me and and worked with me on it yeah yeah i mean to me i really i really like it as it as it is i can really relate to it it's like a, a bit of a comfort book to me as like coming to the uk and all these conflicting identities yeah. you know um so yeah it's it's like it stands on its own yeah absolutely and now you have would, many poems you... towards the second book as well yeah exactly <laughs> now i've got i've got poems towards the second book absolutely yeah yeah so i mean we but we haven't um we haven't read uh sardines the actual poem mm. Yeah, have we? I think that would be lovely as a intro poem. You know, in the in, in the yeah. email, I asked you for an intro poem. Which one did you have in mind? Yeah, what sardines? I just I don't have a copy of it. I'm so sorry. Um... <laughs> can you, Lulu? Can you hold up uh, sardines so that uh, Romina can read? It? <laughs> it's gonna be. Yeah. Can you even read it? Yeah, can you read that? But that's backwards, no. Uh, uh, if you just bear no. with me, I think I can just get it really quickly, and I'll be right back. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> That's it. Is it back? Oh, you, you can still hear me, I right? I don't know, is it? Don't tell me you can't read backwards, <laughs> Robin. Uh, sardines. Oh, okay. Oh, I can send you a picture. Can you guys hear me still? Yeah, oh, perfect. Yeah. So I can just yeah. read it right here. Um. So, yeah, this is Sardines. <clears throat> We were always two or three to a bed, sometimes nine or ten to a house, an uncle kipping in the tub, a school of infants to a pearly cot, 
one kitchen for two mothers, a single pot to feed a dozen mouths. Though we only ate from tins and were packed in tight like a family of sardines, we were happy. Yeah, and that, like, um, what, wh- where, how come you chose to put that poem kind of, it's more in the middle of the collection, right? Um, how, like, for example, why didn't you choose to put that as the first poem or the last poem, indeed? Yeah, interestingly, I did have it as a, fir- as the very first poem, um, but, um, in the drafting stages, uh, my my old poetry lecturer from uni was reading and giving me feedback and stuff, and he just suggested that those first three poems. So I've got line in line at sows, um, bag and hunting, and st- I think how do you say? Um, and he just said that, that those were my three strongest poems, and just advised that it'd be good to open with them because it sets the scene and people will like keep reading yeah. then um and that's that's just a creative choice i made that to move sardines a bit yeah. down for that reason really and um it's you know the the collection's called sardines and then that's kind of like the title poem and it kind of encompasses you know all like the key sentiment of you towards yeah. your family mm. um and it, it's a really it's a really beautiful and sweet poem and it's very short and sweet as well compared to you know other poems yeah. in your collection and it's it's just it's interesting to me that you've chosen to keep it you know keep it short was it a case like how what was the writing process on that like did you just write it all in one yeah, go and you said right um, perfect it's interesting that one because I, it it was never part of this collection until the very end and um there's a two girls in Manchester run a, a company called Blue Balloon Theatre and every Friday they send out creative prompts and sometimes they they ask creatives for suggestions for the prompts and I was scrolling for Instagram in the middle of writing and bits and bots and I just put the suggestion of a tin of sardines for the prompt for that week um, and they, they actually chose that one for their prompt so I thought, oh, I'm going to have to write something here. Mm. If, you know, I suggested it, I'm going to have to write something for it. And that's what I wrote. It was that poem. And then when I came to, like, ordering everything, I thought, it's, it, it needs to go in there because, you know, it's, it actually fits in with the book perfectly. And even though it was never planned to go in there or it wasn't written specifically mm. for the book, it was just kind of a throwaway poem. I thought, you know what, mm. it actually yeah. says everything about this collection. So, yeah. yeah. I love... Um, I love- Again, this it's kind of like reappropriating something because, you know, in in England, in Britain, the the thing about like crammed in like sardines, you know, it's kind of like I think about like the tube or the underground, right? There's like a negative yeah. connotation to being crammed in like sardines. It's like a, a cliche yeah. phrase, right? And, but you've made you've made it kind of something sweet, right? It's like uh, the sardines being, you know, people in a bed, right? This you, yeah. you've turned it reappropriated into something like positive yeah um, yeah it's funny because it's uh, my house in Portugal when I was growing up with my grandparents should I say it was always packed like packed my grandma was a childminder to start with so she looked on she looked after on average 10 11 kids every day Um, so the house was always packed and um, it, my, my grandparents was one of them kind of families where if a relative was coming into town from out of town or whatever and they needed a place to stay, we might not even add the room, but they could stay with us. So an uncle keeping on the couch, like, it's that's a true story. We've had an uncle that slept uh, on the in the bath, sorry. We had an uncle that slept one night in the bath because there was nowhere else for him to sleep and he needed a, a roof over his head that night. So he came over and he slept mm. in the bath and, and I just thought, there's something quite nice about that because it was never a case of oh god with no room it was like we'll make the room and mm. the more the merrier kind of thing so i wanted to incorporate mm. that because that's the kind of family my, my, even my mum is like that like i i always i was always the one that if there was one of my friends had been kicked out or they were going through a bit of something my mum was always the mum that would be like yeah tell them to come here 
Um, and I feel like, yeah, that just says a lot. That just says everything about my family. Yeah. And that's a very... Is Was that an intentional, you know, kipping yeah. kipper, for example? There's like a fish thing that... It was. was. that intentional? Yeah. Because that, that's a very, you know, kind of English slang term, right? That maybe... Eloise, have you heard that before? No. Kipping? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's very What's English. What's that mean? Actually, yeah. Kipping. Yeah, it is very English. But also with the, the connection to, you know, kipper, the fish and stuff. And I just thought, yeah, it... it it's got more than one meaning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Would you say it's it's like um, a reclaiming of your working class uh, background? Oh yeah, absolutely. And the the hospitality. Yeah, I say like there's you know. a, that that theme is you know it is woven into this collection. Like you've got bag and hunting in the Best Buy aisle, which talks about when we when I first moved here and we'd go shopping and we hadn't didn't have a car at the time so we we're walking everywhere and um my little brother when we moved here my youngest brother when we moved here was only six months old and we did use this pram as a trolley a lot of the time to carry the food home and stuff and um and you know bagging hunting in the best buy aisle like people laugh nowadays like aldi you go to the best buy aisle and you find all sorts of crap in there but but that that was us like we would go bag and hunt in 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 the in the aisles and get the cheapest like growing up we never had the same cereal twice that that's not a joke i used to ask my mom <laughs> why can we know why can't we add that what we had last week you know whether it be crave or whatever and because we always had whatever was on offer because that's all we could afford you know we had to go for the cheapest option so it, it was never the same um so yeah i think that mm. i think that that working class team is heavily like woven into a lot of these poems as well mm. Yeah, you put that in the the your collection, right? You put like, uh, or I think it's I think it's maybe a blurb that talks about you. It says you know they're they're a working class poet. Is that is that that's an identity that you've kind of claimed as well that you kind of fly yeah. the flag on it, as well? Is that that's absolutely important to you? even in Portugal we were very very poor, uh, but I didn't really I didn't realize that we were poor then because we. We always had, we always did that food. I'm not, you know, I didn't go hungry in Portugal, but it was, I didn't know then because my grandparents would, would make sure that I had everything that I had, that, that I needed. Mm. But it was when we came to England and my mum was by herself that I realised how poor we were. Um, but yeah, we, yeah, that's that's influence. It's it, I claim it as an identity because it's influenced who I am. It's influenced my way of thinking, you know, my political mindset. Everything is is off off the back of that. So it's really hard not to talk about it. Obviously, in my writing, because it's it's. I think you can really feel it. It's got such tenderness in the way you talk talk about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of I love. I not and, to do it in a way. You know. It's like oh, poor me. We had no money or. But it's more about the lessons that that teaches you then, you know. I feel like me and my brothers yeah. are very compassionate. We're very, we're very grateful for the things we have because we haven't always had them and because now that we can go out and buy the trainers that we like or whatever, um, we're still very much, like, you know, grateful for, for, for everything that we have and stuff. So I, I try to do it in a positive, in a positive way rather than, like, oh, woo mm. me kind of thing, you know. Yeah, and I think that's refreshing because cause I don't think there's a lot of writing that puts, um, you know, poverty in, in a positive light yeah. in a way. Relative yeah. poverty. Yeah, re- yeah. yeah. Um, I'm just very grateful that you guys have had me on and uh, I'm really excited that you've partnered up with Ben Key, obviously. I think it's a great, a great thing. You know, I, I'm very big on collaboration in in the in, in the creative industries because it's it's uh, writing can be a very lonely thing, can't it? You know, you're writing just for yourself a lot of the time, and and it's a very like yeah, so it can be a lonely thing to do. But I think we we must collaborate with each other because that's how you reach different people that's how you connect people different kinds of people different backgrounds and everything um and i do mm. fa- i have found recently that there's there's a bit of a divide across across the community in in manchester and i don't know if you guys know of brian dunn from northern poet society but again he's very very big on collaboration uh, and i'm learning a lot i'm learning that from him that's 
you know, if you're not collaborating, then you're just doing it for you, aren't you? And what's the point in that? I feel like collaboration is key to move forward. So, yeah, I'm glad. I'm happy for your collaboration, and I'm. Yeah, that's that's a lovely message, and I think that's also what we're trying to do with the podcast is bring all these making links between all the poets and showing how much of a community there is in, in yeah. the UK, you know, um, and how great, I mean, even beyond the UK as well. Um, so if people really, they, they discover you and they love your work, uh, they can find you, where, where are you the most active? Um, I'm most active on Instagram at Romina Writes. I'm also over on Twitter on the same hand. And I've just started a Substack newsletter uh, last week. Uh, I see that all the writers are on there now, so I thought I'd give it a, a bit of a go on there, see what happens. So that's uh, Poetry is, is Cheaper Than Therapy. Um, I run, I, I co-run a, a little art company with my partner uh, called Print the Poet, uh, where we do are inspired by poetry so that's prints t-shirts all sorts of stuff and our mantra is poetry is cheaper than therapy because i i genuinely believe that for me poetry is like actually saved my life and uh, took me out some dark places so yeah so that's my name yeah well tell, tell us a bit more about that um my dad who i never met um actually died back in 2017 um, and it was, it's been a really weird time because I've not known whether I'm allowed to grieve or how to feel or, you know, it's not been a loss because I never had him and all these other things. And I feel like I definitely do need to go to therapy for that. I'm not saying poetry is, you know, like a, a band-aid instead of the therapy, mm-hmm. but writing about that over the last few weeks has really, really helped me to like deal with it in in different ways it's it's firstly made me realize that only i can give myself permission to grieve it's not up to anybody else um and if i want to then i can and that's fine um but yeah that's just an example of like it's a a traumatic thing that i've gone through but writing writing poetry about it has helped me so so much and if i can i'm going to start doing some workshops this year on this subject but I just yes. must encourage anyone and everyone to write, even if you're not a poet and you're not a writer, write, even if it's just for you, don't show anyone, but I promise anyone listening to this, if you write something down, it will help you look at it objectively and maybe think about it a little bit different. Um, and a really great prompt that I find that if you don't, if you've no inspiration or you don't know what, how to start, write a write a one-star Rotten Tomatoes review about the worst thing that's ever happened (laughs) in your life. And I've learned this from a poet from uh, America called Andrea Gibson, um, who's a fantastic poet. Um, And they they do a newsletter as well on Substack, and and I saw this prompt on there. Write a one-star review. It doesn't have to be Rotten Tomatoes. It could be Amazon, whatever you use, about the worst thing that's ever happened in your life. And, and, you know, doing that, you'll be able to look at it in a different light. You'll be able to see it not in as, not as, not as such a traumatic thing, but you'll be able to maybe make, see it in a bit light and, and be able to, you know, work it, work things out that way. But yeah, I must, I must encourage anyone and everyone to write, even just for yourself or show anyone, but just write, 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 write. Yeah. And you have to start the review with wouldn't recommend. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, this is the thing. Is this this poet? She had she they they had cancer or uh, ovarian cancer, and they wrote this review, this one star review about about that. But the mm. way they did it, it was like taking the piss out of it. So, mm. you know, it sound it sounds like such a really, you know, it's it's really deep and it's a, it's personal. It's it's heavy. It's Finding heavy the humor in the darker situations. Yeah, found, they found the humor <laughs> and they wrote. They wrote a review and this they flipped on its side and it and it I just thought you know what that's brilliant and I I've done something similar with this whole situation and it's made me see it in a bit of a lighter way and yeah it's made me analyze it and yeah yeah think about things differently and yeah I th- it's 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 helped me so I think that if anyone wants to give that a go you've nothing to lose at all. Hmm. I meant to that. I think it's a good ending. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, it was lovely Can having you, ask... Romina. Uh, sorry, Tom, yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just ask? It's interesting what you said. Um, the art, art about poetry. That you said you. What's that? A workshop or activity you're doing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Art so about poetry. Oh, we, we make. It, it started off because my girlfriend's an illustrator. She is a. She's an artist. She's a painter. Um, and she she did for my birthday last year. We're we were a bit skin. We didn't really have much money to do much. You know, with COVID and everything. So what she did is she made my own. She she printed a lot of my poems and she illustrated them and she made me a little like pamphlet, a little book of my own poetry. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. I still have it. Um, but she's always kind of she always illustrates my poems. She'll find the poem that she likes and they'll spark something in and she'll illustrate it and she'll make art out. Nice. And you don't have to pay her. I don't have to pay her. <laughs> That's great. Um, <laughs> Doing it, and we decided to cut to to come up with this thing just to make a bit of money on the side as well. And because she's an artist, and I'm, I'm always trying to encourage her, she doesn't really believe in herself too much. You know, we're our own, mm. we're our own worst critics, aren't we? Um, but I really try to encourage her to do it. So she was like, I... so we decided we'd do it together because you know then she's got a bit of support from me. So we launched this thing called Print a Poet, and we do like we do anything, but yeah, we create art inspired by poetry. Started off as just my own, but any poetry really. Yeah. Any, any, you have little yeah. pins, don't you? Um, yeah. You know, yeah. poetry is cheaper than therapy. I think that's yeah. that can really hit off. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, lovely. Then get a pin. Nice. A <laughs> if you listen to this, yeah. get a pin. And um, yeah, it was it was lovely talking to you, Amina. Thank you for listening to Poetry to Your Ears. This podcast is published as a newsletter on Substack. All of our content is published for free, but if you would like to support our work, you can become a paid subscriber. This will help us support transcripts for the deaf and hard of hearing community and anyone who would benefit from reading the podcast alongside hearing it. You can also support us for free by rating the show on Spotify and Apple Podcast or writing a review on Apple Podcast. Share the show with your friends, fellow poets and poetry lovers. If you want to interact with us, you can follow us on at poetry to your ears on Instagram and at poetry to number two your ears on Twitter. Or you can also write a comment on Substack. If you're American and you're listening to us, send us a message. Half of our listeners are American. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time.